Hello, Duke fans, and welcome to episode number 493 of the Duke Basketball Report podcast. It is Sunday, February 26th, 2023, and we are back to record about another victory for the Duke Blue Devils. They beat Virginia Tech on Saturday night in Cameron Indoor Stadium, 81-65 the final score. We are going to discuss that here. I am your host this week. I am Donald Wine. I'm coming to you as I normally do from my home in Washington, D.C. I have my friends with me, Sam Klein and Jason Evans. First, Sam Klein, you are in Boston. How are you on this fine Sunday morning? Doing all right. Very, uh, very relaxed and not going anywhere. Unlike, I think, our colleague. Yes, our colleague, Jason, is... Jason, just tell us where you are because I have no idea where you are. You are somewhere in the mountains of somewhere, aren't you? Yeah, uh, I, I don't have a map, but yeah, I'm, I'm driving through the mountains, I guess, not far from Asheville, perhaps. Uh, it's really actually really beautiful, although we have to drive through some pretty nasty fog every now and then. But uh, yeah, this is, uh, this is what you do when you have a weekend like I'm having. Yeah, and we'll discuss your weekend because you were at the game last night. You're also doing some other stuff, uh, which is the reason why uh, you're in the car, ladies and gentlemen. This is why we do things live sometimes. Sometimes we have to call from weird places. You know, Sam and I have called from on the road. Jason is literally on the road as we speak. But we get to discuss a great, great game in Cameron last night that Jason was able to see. Uh, Again, Virginia Tech was in Cameron last night. It was kind of a revenge game after we lost by three in Blacksburg last month. But Thought we had one of the best games of the season. Uh, Virginia Tech losing 81 to 65 to the Blue Devils. We start with the headlines. And uh, Sam, I'll go to you first. Did you have any headlines from, you know, the the, uh, the many that we got from readers that you enjoyed? Uh, I enjoyed John Barnhill's submission. No pardon for these turkeys. Yes, I like that one. That was on my good, list. That had, had a good ring to it. Uh, Jason, did, I, I know you're on the road, but did you get to catch any uh, of the headlines? Yeah, I had two that are like Chris Emmershine. This is really nice. He goes, do the hokey pokey and share the ball around. That's what it's all about. I thought that was very clever. Sharing the ball, a huge, huge key to what Duke has been doing lately. And then Daniel Griffith headline, ACC officials hate Kyle Filipowski. Daniel, I do not disagree with you, my friend. I don't know about that as a headline, but that was one of the stories of this contest. He sent that during the game, too. So you knew you knew it was real. Uh, you knew it was in real time. So uh, I definitely liked that one. The one that I thought, of, other than the ones that you guys had, came from Tina L. And she wrote, Duke delivers technical knockout against Hokies at home. I thought this was a game from start to finish. Duke set the tone. And really, you know, it didn't feel like, to me, that Virginia Tech was really ever in this game from the opening tip. So let's start with the good. Sam, I'll go to you first. I know Jason will get to you in a second, but Sam, uh, start with the good. There is a lot of good to come out of this game. Take it where you want. Which player or what part of the game do you want to focus on first? Can we talk about Jeremy Roach? Because We sure can. Jeremy Roach, uh, I think we were dogging on him a few weeks ago about how, you know, for, for better or worse, he, he's, he'd given up the, the point guard responsibility, the, the, the ball handling, the walking the ball across the timeline responsibility to Tyrese Proctor sometime in the last couple months doing in part to, you know, due in part to injury uh, in part to Proctor demonstrating a little bit more savvy with the ball. And Roach has uh, clearly like done the thing where he looks down at his hands in the last couple of weeks and been like, wait a minute, I'm Jeremy Roach. I'm a good basketball player. And 
last night he delivers one of the most impressive statistical performances of the season, 19 points, 11 assists, and five rebounds. That's a 10-10-5 game if you're, uh, <laughs> if you're counting at home. And, and in doing that, I think the, the most impressive thing is how he's become this like, this like super off-ball point guard where he's not taking the ball up, he's not initiating the offense, but he's driving and dishing and kicking and finding guys in a lot of different creative ways. He's, he's finding guys on the wing. He's finding guys in the post. I think like all the highlights from last night are, you know, despite the fact that, that Roach has 19 points, it feels to me like all the highlights last night were Derek Lively dunks. And a lot of those were in part due to Roach either assisting him directly or finding the pass to find the pass to, uh, to get to Derek Lively. So Jeremy Roach has re-emerged, at least on offense, to become maybe the best version of himself over these last two games. Again, we talked about how you know progress made against Louisville only counts for so much given Louisville's struggles this season. But Virginia Tech beat Duke earlier this year. And and they the Blue Devils seemed like they took it upon themselves to avenge that loss, you know, mightily. And Roach was really leading the way. It feels to me last night in that effort. Yeah, I thought he did great um, distributing the ball. You you guys mentioned that a lot of the ball uh, distribution that we had was terrific, but it was led by him. I, also, you were talking about Derek Lively. I was searching um, the internet for uh, when he missed a shot. And uh, the, the great thing is I didn't find one because he didn't miss a shot last night. He was six for six from the floor, one for one from the line, 13 points. All of them, again, highlight dunks, including, the I think, right at the beginning of the game. Um, spoiler alert, that's going to be my favorite play. Him establishing the tone right at the beginning of the game by just dunking the life out of the gym was I think, incredible. Donald, it was it was five dunks and then one, like, and one layup that couldn't oh, count. Oh, yeah, yeah. Dunk, he had the kind of right? fake uh, sky hook. Yeah. <laughs> uh, right. And, and he also had the behind the – anyway, I, I feel like Jason wants to talk about Jeremy Roach. I can't see Jason this morning, but I feel – like he wants to talk about Jeremy Roach. Oh, Sam, you nailed it. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, I, you guys you guys said everything that needed to be said about his offense. The, the way he was both attacking the basket and also distributing and bringing his teammates in was, was truly special. Uh, it's the, to some extent, that's the Jeremy Roach that I think a lot of us expected to get this year. It's the Jeremy Roach that we got down the stretch a lot last year that had everyone you know super excited. And I don't want to you know, bag on the season that Jeremy Roach has had thus far. But I mean, if we're really honest, he probably hasn't been quite the uh, distributor and consistent offensive threat this season that I think most of us thought he would be. He most assuredly was against Virginia Tech. Uh, Duke ends this game with 19 assists and only nine turnovers. And by the way, we had only two turnovers in the first half. Like that's, that's just really smart ball handling and sharing of the ball. But then the other thing I wanted to mention, the thing that stuck out to me from, from my seats, you know, down courtside was that both Jeremy Roach and Tyrese Proctor were working so hard on defense, fighting over screens, fighting through screens, not letting Sean Padula or um, Hunter Couture get even a, a, an inch of space. <clears throat> the job that we did on Hunter Couture, and that was mostly Tyrese Proctor, was just unbelievable. I mean, uh, John Shire said that this guy was the big threat for Virginia Tech, that he thinks Hunter Couture is the top three-point shooter in the ACC. He gets only four shots against Duke. He goes two for four. 
doesn't hit a three-pointer. Hunter Couture didn't hit a three-pointer. And Sean Padula kept on trying to take Jeremy Roach into the lane. Uh, that was just a mistake. It just didn't work out for him. And Sean Padula couldn't hit anything all game. When you absolutely dismantle the opposing team's two guards the way that Duke did, there's, I mean, it's easy to talk about the offense in this game, but I thought Duke's defense was the thing that really made the difference and allowed us to win this game so comfortably. Jason, I, I think the defense was tremendous last night. I, I think we got an email uh, about Proctor's defense, especially his his on-the-ball uh, guarding, I thought was terrific and has been terrific over the last few games. Kyle Filipowski had a couple steals at the at the one at the top of the perimeter, uh, where he kind of reached into the passing lane, grabbed the ball, went the other way for a dunk. They've had a lot of these stretches during the year where their defense has kept them in the game, and it was their offense that kind of shot them out of a game, so to speak. But this time around, I I do want to credit the offense uh, for a little bit because it's very rare that we have five guys in double figures. We had Roach again, Sam, you mentioned with the 10, 10, five game lively was two blocks short of a 10, five, five game. Proctor was a rebound and an assist shy of a 10, five, five game. We almost had three 10, five, fives in the same game where we've been struggling to even have those all year, which I'm just going to go quickly back to last year, just shows you how awesome window Moore was last year. The fact that 10, five, five game was just common for him and you know, we have guys that are having great outputs and still aren't putting up some of those stats. But last night, I think they all did. Mitchell, 17 points, eight rebounds. Flip, 12 points, three rebounds. Proctor, 10 points, four rebounds, four assists. Like, our offense, I thought, was terrific. But, Jason, I, it, it's still, you're right. The defense was there. It turned up at times. And it, it was just one of those things where any chance that Virginia Tech thought they may have had to kind of make this a ball game was snuffed out when – our defense just showed up to play really, really quick. Also on the defense, cause I need to shout him out. <clears throat> I apologize. By the way, my voice is very raspy because I was doing a lot of screaming <laughs> as you should. You're During in camera. <laughs> uh, yeah. It, I had a great time. But anyway, uh, the thing I was going to say about the defense was we haven't talked enough about, but I haven't talked at all uh, about what Kyle Filipowski and Jacob Grandison did on Grandpa Sile because in the preview, we mentioned, Grandpa Sealy is averaging like 25 points per game over their past like five games. He's become their go-to guy. He only had five points in the first half. He finished with 15, but it was a lot of it came late when the game was over. When the game mattered, Virginia Tech's top three offensive performers, none of them could do anything against the Duke defense. And the, the fact that we took the Sealy out of his game so much, he wasn't able to take three-pointers. He wasn't able to get the ball down in the post and do anything. Uh, the, the help defense that Derek Lively posted, if you look at the plus-minus stats, Derek Lively's number leads the team because when he was in the game, Virginia Tech could not score. We were playing hard defense on the perimeter, and then when they would get past the perimeter, Lively's there to just intimidate the hell out of people. It, it, it was a, a great team defensive effort, but, but these guys, I mean, if we're going to play defense like that and play even close to the kind of offense we've been playing lately, Duke's a top 10 team in the country, no question about it. Jason, this feels like one of those games where Derek Lively only gets credited with three blocks. I know you've talked before about how Derek Lively doesn't get credited with enough blocks. If you if you were to give Lively uh, half credits for all of the shots that he altered or the Virginia Tech guards who got spooked total blocks so it was it was a very impressive night for duke on the topic of the plus minus since i i, I know we like pointing it out 
the Duke starters last night uh, were were clearly the key to this game because the starters all were greater than plus 20 on the night and everybody coming off of Duke's bench uh, had a had a negative. Now, you mentioned that Jacob Grandison had a good night uh, guarding Grand Pasile. Uh, it, it, it's clear to me that that he and Flip sort of in tandem were doing that. And uh, just I, 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 I don't know how much we can reiterate what an excellent uh, defensive performance this was you can look at Virginia Tech's final numbers and say oh well they went eight for 19 from three but you have to separate this game by you know the first half and then maybe the first five minutes of the second half as being the part of this game where things were even remotely competitive before Duke went on its big run early in the second half to extend the lead out to around 20 the final margin is only 16 but Duke was leading by by 20 points, basically for most of the second half. After which, as as you said, Jason, all of this was really like garbage time. Yeah, the I mean, we held them to 40 percent shooting from the floor the whole game, and I thought that was usually when you're shooting. You know, our teams that we're facing, if they're shooting, you know, 40, 42 percent like that, we're winning the ball game. We're winning it pretty handily. And like I said, even whenever they had chances to get momentum or at least gain some momentum. We snuffed it right out immediately. Cameron was rocking. It felt like any time that there was a chance for Virginia Tech to even think about getting back into this ball game, Duke was very quick to say, nope, nope, we're, we're done with this conversation. And it felt like, again, from the opening tip to the final whistle, Duke was hustling, Duke was making plays, and Duke was establishing control of this ball game. So I, I think from both sides of the ball, there was a lot of good to be had. I know there are some people out there who fret over, um, you know, efficiency metrics. I, and I've mentioned this before on the podcast, you know, when Duke has like a, there was a game earlier this year, I forget which one it was, we had like a 12-point lead. And in the final <clears throat> minute and a half, we gave up like six meaningless points to the opposition and it makes the game look closer than it should have been. And I know there are people who go, oh my God, Duke led by 24, 25 points in this game. And the final margin is only 16. It looks like, you know, from an efficiency standpoint, that it wasn't as good as it was. Um, Ken Pomeroy and the other folks who really do efficiency in the right kind of way recognize when a game gets to be out of hand and they kind of turn off their monitoring at that point. Not that it doesn't matter, but it, it matters fairly little. Uh, usually that, that's like right around the time a team gets to a little above 99% to win the game. They just sort of say, okay, from here it doesn't count. Uh, Duke was at that point without 10 minutes left in the game. <laughs> it, 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 it's crazy how badly we beat Virginia Tech who's look they're a team that's they're not great but they're not that bad and Duke just dismantled them can I highlight one more guy who I don't think we've mentioned once yet and who also had an excellent game and has had a string of excellent games now and that's Mark Mitchell please tell me uh, Mark Mitchell please let me Mark Mitchell <laughs> I, I I said I said after the Louisville game that yeah it's great that that Mark Mitchell had a great game against Louisville but it's a great game against Louisville well, I'm back to tell you that Mark Mitchell had a great game against Virginia Tech at both ends of the floor. Uh, we've highlighted a lot of the other performances on defense. Mark Mitchell seems to be rounding into form very nicely on defense, uh, denying passes and and generally being a pest on whoever the the big wings are for for these other teams. Uh, yesterday, Judson Mutz had a had a tough time with Duke. Uh, MJ Collins had a t- like a, a lot of Virginia Tech's wings were having a hard time establishing themselves against Duke yesterday. Mark Mitchell was was a, a key to that. And then on offense, he has become a lot more comfortable scoring the basketball, 
getting offensive rebounds and and knocking them back in. I think it was Whitehead had a had sort of a an off balance shot where he was going to the rim yesterday, and Mark Mitchell played clean up on it. Uh, Mitchell is is getting a lot more comfortable playing at at you know game speed here late in the season, and you know if if Roach's reemergence is is a great development for Duke, although one we were sort of waiting for. Mitchell's is one that I I had, you know, maybe myself thought, I'm not sure we're going to see this before the end of the year. So uh, it is great to see Mark Mitchell also finding his way because uh, Derek Whitehead does not have does not have a great game yesterday. And uh, Mitchell more than makes up for the fact that Whitehead is still somewhat up and down. Mark Mitchell had a long stretch this season where he had real trouble finishing. He, he got a six for eight from the field yesterday and he's just gotten he's figured out better uh you know how to finish in the lane under pressure than he was earlier this season it's a it's a pretty significant development so the last thing i did want to mention is the fact that uh, there's one number that i think we need to keep in mind and that number is 15 15 is the number of turnovers that we had this week for duke basketball we usually have 15 or more in one game uh we had six against louisville we had nine last night we are taking care of the basketball at the time of year where we need to take care of the basketball, it led to us having seven more shot attempts than Louisville. It led to us again, keeping them at arm's length because we were, we had the basketball in our hands. And whenever there was any sort of momentum, we were able to go down and make a play. I, I love the fact that we're taking care of the basketball finally. And hopefully that is a stat that will continue. I mean, nine is, is a number that we can accept any day of the week. If it's below 10, you can accept that any day of the week. And they took care of the basketball. They didn't, I mean, they they had some steals, but they really just suffocated Virginia Tech uh, by making them miss uh, shots. But uh, taking care of the basketball is one thing that we have been lamenting all year that we cannot do. And it seems like this week they figured out a way to keep the ball in their hands and not send it the other way for cheap points. So congratulations to the Duke Blue Devils on that. Guys, actually, one other thing I wanted to mention, Duke has now won three straight games by 16-plus points. We are now the top team in the ACC, number one in the ACC in, in the efficiency metrics. And, you know, at this moment, I, I, would, I would guess, I don't know, you guys might disagree, but I, I would think that most people would say that Duke is the favorite to win the ACC tournament, um, considered, you know, not just the efficiency metrics, but just in terms of how everybody's playing, that we'd be considered the best team in the conference at the moment. I, I know we're, we're still probably not going to get the double bye, but I think that this team can probably fight through that. I checked Bart Torvik, and on Torvik, Duke has been a top 15 team in the country over the past few weeks. Um, look, it's, you know, every arrow is kind of pointed up for this team. So I think that's definitely a, uh, a positive development considering where we were just a few weeks ago. Yeah, Duke, just to update on the, on the uh, ACC standings, Duke is one game in the loss column behind uh, are out of getting the double buy, but the three teams that have one fewer loss than than Duke are Miami, Virginia, and Clemson. Uh, teams I believe Duke all uh, lost to uh, at some point this season. So so Duke doesn't hold the tiebreaker. So any of those teams would have to lose. Well, wait, Miami, we're, we're we're one and one against Miami. Oh right, so okay. The tiebreaker, the tiebreaker with Miami would be more complicated. It would come down to how you've done against the teams at the top of the standings. And the problem for Duke is, you know, like you said, we've we got losses, unfortunately, to a couple of teams at the very top of the standings. 
Now, if Pittsburgh wins the league or if Pittsburgh's like first or second, then then we've got, you know, that's good because we've got a, a, a win and no losses against Pitt. So that would help us in the tiebreaker. But, you know, like if Virginia ends up winning the league, uh, it's it's problematic for Duke from the standpoint of tiebreakers. So and Jason, just to just to follow up on one thing you said, I don't know that Duke is would be considered the favorite in the ACC tournament, given that they probably have to play the extra game. But I agree with you that it is promising that Duke appears to be headed in the right direction, while a team like Virginia, Virginia's been been the best team in the metrics in the ACC all season, but has fallen uh, significantly. I would say recently uh, they lost to Boston College, which is totally unforgivable. And then they got waxed yesterday by UNC in Chapel Hill, which I think we, I'm sure we will talk about when we preview Carolina, uh, you know, after the NC State game this week. But that's also a tough look for the Cavs. There is uh, for Miami and for UVA and for Clemson. There's a lot going on. Miami only has one game left in a regular season, and they play Pitt. So they're number number one versus number two. I believe that's next weekend. UVA and Clemson play midweek. So for Duke, there is there's is some opportunity because two of these teams could suffer a loss. It's just a question of whether they can get a second loss out of that team this week. Clemson also plays Notre Dame. Virginia also plays Louisville. So it's going to be very difficult for Duke to really get into that double by position. But never say never. There is a chance in that. So we'll leave it there on the good. Let's transition to the bad. But first, we need to take a break, get some water. Jason has to get out of the mountain. So stick around. We will discuss the rest of Duke versus Virginia Tech after this. This episode of the Duke Basketball Roundup is sponsored by BetterHelp. Springtime is the season that's supposed to feel like a new beginning. We have better weather, and it feels like everyone gains a boost of energy. However, for many, leaving winter behind doesn't always mean that their mood lightens up with the extra sunlight. We all carry around stress, and that stress can build as more events get added to your calendar. That's certainly true, Donald. And with the amount of social gatherings increasing with the improving weather and more daylight, there's more pressure to be on when you're interacting with family, friends, coworkers, even strangers, even when stress has you a little bit down. And for some, getting advice from a therapist can help you tackle some of that stress without affecting you or the people you care about. That's what BetterHelp is all about. It's entirely online, and it's designed to be therapy that's convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. You just fill out a brief questionnaire and get matched with a professional, licensed therapist. And you can switch therapists anytime you want. So if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try and find your social sweet spot. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Duke Roundup today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Duke Roundup. All right, we are back, and though we had a great game, I thought, I, there is probably some bad that we need to discuss. So, Jason, I'll turn to you first. Give me something from this game that you think Duke needs to improve on as we enter the final week of the regular season. Uh, the bench play was not strong in this game. I mean, there's a reason that we 
Uh, I think we touched on every single one of the starters. And really the only comment we've made about the bench was Jacob Granderson played some pretty good defense and Derek Whitehead didn't finish very well. <laughs> uh, we haven't talked about, you know, Ryan Young also really struggled with the finishing. Duke just didn't get many points, much production off of the bench. You know, those guys are, they were, they're part of the team and they're part of the, the good team defense that was played. But, um, you know, and by the way, Jaden Shoot and Jalen Blakes, it looks like they're sort of not in the competitive rotation anymore. Uh, I don't know how much of it is, is Blakes' mask and, and being uncomfortable playing with that mask. But Duke's basically down to an eight-man rotation at this point. I don't know it's a bad thing. I mean, eight is plenty. But we've talked about, you know, some of the values and advantages of having a little more bench depth. Uh, and it's pretty clear from this game, a game that Duke wins comfortably. And yet our, our number nine and our number 10 guys don't come in until the final two, two and a half minutes. Uh, so the, the bench play to me was, uh, look, this is a game where it's kind of tough to find bad. Yeah, I don't know. Or you can say Kyle Filipowski maybe will struggle a little bit on offense as well. That's about it. So I'm going with the bench is the only bad I've got. Jason, I, I had the same comment about the bench, and, and there is a part of me that's worried because – you know, Duke doesn't need a 10-man rotation, but I do think that they need to feel confident that any of Whitehead, Young, Grandison, maybe Blake's returns to form somehow just creates a little bit more of a uh, of a safety net for any of the starters. Because as as excited as we are that Roach and Mitchell and, and Proctor seem to be, li- you know, rounding into form here at the end of the season, uh, all of these are are sort of small samples, and 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 they can they can go south again potentially. So I I I do find it concerning, although in this game clearly wasn't much of an issue. On Filipowski, who you mentioned, uh, he gets twelve points in this game on uh, three for seven shooting, but I think a lot of those points were in garbage time. If we're going to give Duke credit for holding down Grant Basile on a night when he scores 15 points on 10 shots on account of a lot of that happened in garbage time, I think we have to sort of say the same thing about Filipowski. 12 points is below his season average, and uh, and, and he does a lot of his work late in this game when most of it was uh, when most of the game had been decided or at least in that final run. So am I worried about Filipowski like regressing again no I think that this is probably just a blip for him and the nice thing is that because some of the other guys have come along hopefully it you know it it drags Filipowski back because I think he you can tell watching him on the court that there's a little bit of a uh, you know like a competitor in there that wants to be the best player on his team so if the other guys are making shots sometimes I think that that leads flip to to force the issue a bit but hopefully he's able to channel that here late in the season. I, I I do want to see his his offense return to form in the context of the rest of the guys also making their shots because that'll just make Duke so much better. Uh, and and but yeah, as you said, Jason, there isn't a ton to complain about from this performance. I think for me, for Kyle Filipowski, the the thing that I want to see improve more is the rebounding. I mean, we used to we're, we talk about the points and that he's below a season average, but he was well below his season average of rebounds and, and part of it's because, you know, guys like Derek Lively have stepped up on the, on the rebound again, but I feel like a lot of Cal's points uh, in the early in the season came as a result of momentum gained from offensive rebounds, whether he was getting them or Ryan Young was getting them. And lately they haven't been getting as much on the offensive end to get those putbacks and also be in that position where they can do slam dunks, go to the line, 
you know, and ones and things like that. So for Kyle, I want to see him this week be a little bit more physical inside the post when it comes to offensive rebounding, because I think that's where he can gain a little bit more momentum, momentum. And, and Sam, like you said, it'll, you know, even though his points are down a little bit, I think by getting the offensive rebounds, it gives him more opportunities to have quick putbacks, which is where he was gaining a lot of his points early in the season. So I don't think there was a lot of bad in this. Um, it, it, again, I feel like Kyle Filipowski's re, redu, uh, reduction in produ- reduction in offensive rebounding and rebounding has been due to the fact that Derek Lively has improved his rebounding quite a bit. But I'd love to see the bigs all you know getting eight, nine, ten rebounds or close to that in a game because I think if we do that, nobody is pushing us out of the way. And I feel like even with Ryan Young off the bench his production mainly is from energy points, right? In energy points, I mean, offensive rebounding, keeping plays alive, putbacks, uh, you know, the old man game that he has. I, we'd love, I'd love to see that, you know, get back to where it was uh, earlier in the ACC portion of the season as well. Jason, did you have anything else before we wrap up the bed? Yeah. So <clears throat> two things I want to mention. One was, I can't believe I neglected you. You reminded me of it, Donald. I neglected to say in the good that we dominated the the rebounding against Virginia Tech. The final number doesn't indicate how bad it was. There was one point in the second half where I looked and Duke had a 28 to 14 rebounding lead, which is just outrageous for you to grab two thirds of all the rebounds available in a game. Um, and I wanted to mention, you know, we just, you know, we said some sort of negative things about Derek Whitehead. I like him taking the ball to the goal yesterday. He he didn't finish all of them. He had one really nice finish. But, the, you know, we want Whitehead attacking the basket. And and I thought that was a positive development. Here I am. We're talking about the bad, and I'm talking about nothing but good stuff. If we got to get back to the bad, I, I want to mention the reps. Look, I didn't have the same angle on all of it that you guys do from from home, where you're getting, you know, a ton of replays and you're getting commentary from – uh, from what I'm sure were brilliant and wonderful play-by-play and color commentators. But in the stadium, the officiating looked horrendous. And, and it, it kept Virginia Tech in the game in the first half. And I don't – I mean, I don't know. Are, are we going to talk at all? What, what do you guys think about the, the call on Kyle Filipowski where they reversed a foul call? It's just – how could this happen to him twice in one season where they call a foul and he's the beneficiary and then they go to the monitor and they go, oh, no, sorry, never mind. Kyle, it's actually on you. I got to tell you, when, when, when we were watching that in the stadium, someone said, oh, they're going to check the monitor to see if it's uh, – they're like, oh, check the monitor to see if it's a flagrant. And I said, knowing Kyle Filipowski's luck, they're going to check the monitor and determine it's a foul on him. And everybody around me laughed. We were like, ah, yeah, no way. And then that's what actually happened. I, God, it was unbelievable. Yeah, I, I don't know what Kyle Filipowski did to the refs. Uh, to make this kind of turn, um, but I don't like it, um, and I don't like the fact that he he it, it seems like all the bad calls, the, the real the I mean the super egregious calls that we've had this season, and there have been a few have all been surrounding a play involving Cal Filipowski, and it, it should not I mean it's not his fault, but it's it's one of those things where I, I don't understand why the refs have decided that these plays involving him getting punched in the throat or fouled or whatever um, have been all going against Cal Filipowski. That seems quite unfair. Um, and I don't know what the, what the answer to that is other than to say refs do better. Like you have to, this is, 
these games matter and these calls matter. And it's not where, you know, your call against Kyle Filipowski in the first half is really going to not affect the game. All of it affects everything. Um, it affects, you know, the perception of rest towards Kyle Filipowski in future games. We we say that there's no biases, but there are. And when they see him reacting to a call and not getting it, they they use like that that bias is present when you guys ref a game featuring him in a future game. So uh refs need to just really I mean they just need to improve. They usually get better. Um I don't like talking about the refs because it means they did something bad. And it feels like on this show we're talking about we have to talk about them once a week. Uh, it feels like so. I I just don't I, I just don't understand what's going on with that. But I do think the ACC needs to uh, have a gut check about what's going on there and, and really figure it out because it may be it may honestly be too late for the season. But they need to fix it very very quickly. Yep, you guys are right. <laughs> Everyone's out to get us. That's Everyone's it. <laughs> I love it, Sam. I love it. It's Duke, uh, it's Duke against the world. Duke uh, we got the world. We 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 were ta- on that on that topic. I just need to come back because we mentioned that uh, that I, I think Jason talked about how Duke leads the ACC in in efficiency margin. Uh, Duke is only thirty fourth in Ken Palm right now, but uh, Ken Palm says that that Duke is the best team in the ACC because Virginia is now down to thirty eight. And we got an email from the K Man about that to to note that Duke is now tops in the metrics and i responded to him and said well it's a good thing i don't root for the rest of the acc because uh it's true <laughs> yeah uh i as i as i have noted i i hate them all so uh i'm 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 okay with this ricky bobby once said if you're not first you're last and that's first. ridiculous ricky you could be second <laughs> third fourth hell even fifth <laughs> guys let's get to the favorite play of the game jason you had the best vantage point so i'm going to you first what was your favorite play from this game I mean, there were like 95 dunks in this game, so uh-huh. there are a lot of choices you could take. But I I ended up, and, you know, I, I wasn't able to note the exact time it happened or anything like that. It's a very different experience watching from, you know, like inside Cameron than it is watching on TV, obviously. But the play in the second half, I want to say it was like in the maybe five minutes, seven minutes or so into the second half, when Jeremy Roach uh, took a, a three-pointer from the corner that was, I think it was partially blocked. I actually think he might've gotten fouled. It like hits the side of the backboard and the ball somehow comes to Tyrese Proctor who buries a three pointer um, with the shot clock almost completely expired was my favorite play because that was the moment I looked up the scoreboard. As that happened, I think Duke led by like 18 or something. And I went, I went, there's, there's zero chance that we're losing this game. Now Uh, it, it was in one of those plays where you're just like, it's our night. It is not your night. Go home sad. And that's, that, that was the moment that I said, Virginia Tech is going to go home very depressed. So that's my favorite play. Donald, I know you're taking Lively's first dunk. Um, I think I'm going to take Lively's uh, non-dunk, the, the and one, where he was just sort of moving towards the basket and happened to, to tip it in while getting fouled from behind. Uh, not a flagrant, apparently. You know, not a flagrant to, to go at his back when he's already established position up high and stuff. But... Uh, what I loved about it is the way that he got up and was like, oh, it went in. It, it, it did go in. Great. Uh, <laughs> I, I, uh, I, you know, I, I think we was howling, laughing so hard. It was hysterical. I think we've I, I don't know if you want to say that we've ragged on on Lively for not developing more of an offensive game 
this season for not, you know, having a mid range for the, the three point shot that we were told existed. And, and really he's proven this year doesn't exist much at all, but man, he is really good at getting position and, and getting the dunks and not everybody, not every mobile seven footer can do the stuff that he's doing. Uh, and, and the fact that he was able to maintain control and get that ball into the hoop, I thought uh, demonstrated a, a lot of uh, body control by lively. So I'm going to go with, with that. And one, the only non dunk I think of his from the night. That was a good one. Like, like Jason said, there were 95, 95 other ones. Yeah. Jason. I was going to say, if I can really quick on Derek lively and I've seen Duke play in person this year, but because my vantage point was, was really low, like right on the court for this game, I I just had a sort of a new perspective on Derek lively. When, when they walk out for the layup line, I, I looked at him and I like I, I almost like I my jaw came open. So I was like, that dude is so long. I I hadn't appreciated it. I think watching the game, you don't get an appreciation for it. But just watching him in the layup line, I was like, he's just next level in terms of his length, and and he uses it really really well on this picture. Yeah, I Jason, I I wanted to uh, highlight the first dunk for this reason. Um, for my favorite play, when you look, at, ladies and gentlemen, when you look at a box score, they have the you know the stats, they have like the you know percentages, but they also have the play by play. If you look at it, you scroll to the next page, you know, scroll down, they have the play by play, and they they comment on what happened over the course of any given half. They you know you can see the word block or miss or rebound, but when a shot goes in, they just say good. So the very first play of the game is a good dunk by Derek Lively the second. And I thought that's why, I mean, just the fact that you want to start off with something in the good, literally the play-by-play starts off with good dunk. So, uh, and it was a good dunk, a, a damn good dunk. So that's why I'm going with it. But I think it's established the tone of the game and established momentum from the get-go. And, and right then they came, you know, Virginia Tech came down, made a three to make it three to two. Jeremy Roach to the other end makes uh, what the play-by-play calls a good layup to make it 4-2, and that was the last time that Virginia Tech uh, ever had the lead in this game. So uh, I thought that, you know, the play that these guys had from start to finish was incredible. It started with jumping right out the gates with a good dunk to make it all happen. Before we close out, before we go to player of the week, Jason, I want to go back to you because we've kind of saved this for uh, the final portion as we wrap up the game against Virginia Tech. You were in the building. Uh, I, I We need to know what it was like in the, in the stadium last night uh, to see Duke take on Virginia Tech I know you had some good seats uh but give us the give us the lowdown what was it like in there I mean it was really great energy uh incredibly loud you can tell from my voice I was doing a lot of the screaming and everybody everybody in the place you look it's Cameron but but they were they were up maybe even a little more than I thought they would be uh I, I think because there's a lot of things about Virginia Tech after the, the way the first game ended. By the way, there was a good sign in the stands. I'm not sure if they put it on TV or not. That said, justice for Kyle, um, for Kyle Filipowski after the throat punch against Virginia Tech. Jason, and, the and uh, then, Duke men's basketball uh, social media highlighted that that image, though. They've they've definitely embraced the uh, the the heel turn a bit. Yeah, it, it was. Uh, I mean, that was a good sign. The Crazies had a, had a number of, of fairly good signs. It was just a really, really fun time. There, there was a funny moment, by the way, as halftime came up, we were sort of hustling to get out of there uh, and get a you know quick drink, go to the bathroom and stuff like that. 
and uh, the ushers stopped us for a moment because the re- the referees were exiting the same area that we were exiting the, the court level. And uh, as the refs walked by, my buddy who I was with uh, stuck out his fist to give a fist bump to the refs, which was kind of amusing because he was, he was giving them some other business <laughs> throughout the rest of the game. But, but at halftime, he wanted to be nice to the refs, so he stuck out his fist for a fist bump. The first two refs gave him a fist bump, but then TV Teddy Valentine comes by, and TV Teddy's like so locked in and so ignoring all the fans that he ignored my buddy's fist bump. And it was very TV Teddy. I mean, like, he's all about himself, and he's not paying attention to anybody else. Uh, we were like, you know, I kind of hate that dude. Uh, he's, he's not good to Duke for the most part. And, but it was kind of funny that uh, just the way he ignored my friend, like, didn't even glance at his fist was, was kind of funny. I mean, Jason, what do you expect, right? The, guy, the, the, the man, if nothing else, is a professional. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I, I actually, I'm not doing. I'm not doing the refs right now. I'm just not. I'm not there. I'm not doing it. Yeah. So, so tell us about the the rest of of the Cameron experience, as you will. Oh boy. Okay. Well, so actually, the rest of the experience isn't so much Cameron. It's getting to and getting from Cameron. So, my buddy Andy and I. I'm in the car with Andy right now. He's being a good person. He's not talking. Uh, so Andy and I drove up from Atlanta, and we were about. We were about, uh, I guess, an hour outside of Charlotte. So about, you know, like three hours outside of Atlanta, two hours till we get to Duke and two and a half hours, I guess, till we get to Duke. And suddenly the, the light comes on in this car indicating low tire pressure. Uh, you know, not a big deal. We just pull off, fill up the tire. While we're filling up the tire, we're like, oh, I wonder what's causing this. Well, there's a nail in the tire. Uh, and just the nature of the kind of car it was and where we were. We can't find a replacement tire. We spent like an hour driving. We would drive like a mile or two, and then we'd have to pull off the road and, and refill the, the tire with air because we were desperately trying to get to Charlotte. Charlotte was the only place that had a replacement tire. It was such a nightmare. It delayed us by a good two hours. We, you know, we made it to the game, but it was kind of a close call. Uh, but one of those, you know, it was one of those typical trips from, you know, just a nightmare, a trip from hell to get to Cameron. Uh, and I was like, I was thinking, God, if we lose this game, you know, after having to, having to endure a difficult journey, buying a new tire, I was like, oh, please don't let us lose this game. But uh, we obviously, that it was all worth it. It was all worth it. Yes, it was definitely all worth it. And now we are, the reason we're not driving directly back to Atlanta is we're going to Harris Cherokee Casino. We are playing in a World Series of Poker Circuit uh, event uh, today at Harris Cherokee. So... Hopefully the good luck of Duke beating the pants off Virginia Tech continues as I uh, attempt to make my mark on the World Series of Poker in just uh, about a half hour or so. Jason, I'm going to ask you to check your privilege for a second because having a nail in the tire and, and the end result being delayed two hours over the course of your life is still a pretty good outcome. Just in the, in the grand scheme. Absolutely. <laughs> like, yes, like, I will say that. During the tire this fiasco, is not this is not trip from hell stuff. Trip from hell stuff is is uh, the tire got punctured. We were stuck on the side of the road, and it was and it was uh, the weather that it was like last night in the in the far northeast. So uh, yeah. By the way, trip, come back to me. Trip from hell stuff. Trip, trip from hell. You're right. It was not. It, it was very stressful at the time, and we thought we were probably going to have to miss the game. Uh, in fact, there was talk that we would not be able to get a replacement tire till Monday. So, like, we're going to miss the game. We're going to miss the poker tournament. I'm going to miss work. 
we're like not going to, you know, we're stuck in Charlotte doing, actually, we thought we we're going to be stuck in Gastonia, North Carolina for, for three days. That was not my weekend. And, and actually the real trip from hell is I drove when I was a senior uh, in 1989, I went to the, I went with my, all my buddies to the Duke, Arizona game in, um, uh, in the Meadowlands. Famously, the game where Kyle, uh, sorry, I said Kyle, where Christian Leitner, <laughs> the game where Christian Leitner misses two free throws against Arizona. And then at the end, after he missed those free throws, he said, I'm never going to miss a clutch shot again. And he proved that to be true. But on that trip, when we drove up, we got in an accident with each other. We're in two cars and we got into an accident with each other. That's a trip from hell. Oh, yeah. Well, we're glad you got to the game safely. We're glad that you're in the mountains somewhere close to Asheville. Hope you guys do well at the poker tournament. But uh, before we get out of here, we do have to do player of the week. I think there's a couple of guys that I was leaning leaning towards, Uh, but Sam, I'm going to go to you first. Give me your player of the week, man. I was hoping you wouldn't pick me first because uh, (laughs) I'm, I'm, I'm between three guys right now. Uh, The first of those is Derek Lively, who I think has come on really strong. Uh, Obviously the offense is what it is but the defense has become uh, so smothering for him. The second guy that I had on my list was Mark Mitchell, who I, I think sort of a similar discussion. Uh, his offensive game is, is, you know, more creative, I think than Lively's is, but uh, man has, has Mitchell figured it out. But the guy that I'll, I'll take for my player of the week is Jeremy Roach, because if there's somebody that we've, that we've dogged on enough this year and then heaped praise on over the last two games, it's Roach, as we said, 19, 11 and five, in this most recent game against Virginia tech outstanding performance at both ends of the court and uh, just has done such a masterful job. And by the way, uh, that was 11 assists last night. He turned the ball over three times, but an 11 to three assist to turnover ratio is pretty damn. (laughs) Yeah. Pretty damn good. And against Louisville, just to, you know, just to make sure that we emphasize the point, six more assists and no turnovers. So on the week, uh, pretty fantastic for Jeremy Roach. I'll take him for my player of the week. I was going back and forth between Derek Lively and Jeremy Roach. Uh, So I'm glad you took Jeremy Roach so that I can go ahead and pick Derek Lively. 23 points, 11 boards, five blocks on the week. Uh, Like you said, his offensive game has come along strong. His rebounding, I thought, has has improved markedly. and, And he's becoming a guy that, Honestly, we can count on being on the floor down the stretch uh, because of his defense. And if you count all the, you know, altering shots and in the half blocks, as as we've kind of dubbed them here on the podcast, uh, he probably has another eight more blocks because of all the shots that he was able to affect just by his being his mere presence on the floor and him getting active in the shooting shooting lanes and passing lanes. So uh, I'm going to go with him, uh, Jason. Who do you have for Player of the Week? I was really looking hard at Roach and Mitchell. And I kind of wanted to do Mark Mitchell, but I did him last week. So I'm going with, I'm, I'm with Sam. I'm going with Jeremy Roach. And the, the one thing we haven't mentioned, I had a note and I forgot to mention it earlier. It felt to me like every time Virginia Tech was starting to make a run, you know, every time, the, you know, maybe you're like, oh, is this the moment that they sort of pull it back a little bit closer? Or, uh, you know, Virginia Tech sort of had a, a, a momentum shifting kind of uh, play or series Duke would go to Jeremy Roach and he would either get the bucket or feed someone for an easy bucket. I'm thinking specifically there was uh, I remember when, when they called the, uh, the, the, the tech, uh, the flagrant one, sorry, on Jacob Grandison. And as a result, uh, 
uh, Virginia Tech got four free throws on one possession. They got the, the two from the flagrant, and then they ended up getting two more, um, you know, on their play. So, it was, you know, essentially they had a four-point trip. And I don't remember the exact margin, but I want to say maybe it cut it to 10. It, 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 it was one of those moments that you were like, oh, maybe this is a moment that Duke's in some trouble. And Jeremy Roach promptly took the ball right to the goal and scored one of those driving layups that he had plenty of in this latest game. I just thought Jeremy Roach this week looked like the experienced leader that we kind of expected he'd be this year. You know, Duke was a preseason top 10 team. I think a lot of it was expectations that Jeremy Roach would be uh, what we have seen him be lately, and that is a welcome development for this team. I cannot disagree with the two of you on Jeremy Roach. I thought he had a fantastic week. As I mentioned, uh, the reason why I went with Derek Lively is, I, you know, because he also had a great week. We had a lot of guys with great weeks, two victories for the Blue Devils. Let's keep it going this week as we enter the final week of the regular season. Two games this week, uh, NC State on Tuesday. We will do a preview for that probably on Monday. So look for that in your feeds at that point. Uh, but until then, this will conclude episode 493 of the Duke Basketball Report podcast. Again, stay in touch with us, dbrpodcast at gmail.com. Love to hear from you. All the headlines have been great. All the recaps uh, that you guys have had from your perspective, either at home or in Cameron, have been great. So continue to keep those coming. But until we get back to you with another Bites to preview the next game. Uh, I am Donald Wine, Sam Klein, Jason Evans. Thank you so much. Jason, drive safe out there in the mountains, and good luck at the tournament. But for all of you out there, this is now time for the Duke Band to take us home. <laughs>